welcome to the podcast. Whether you know it or not, almost all universities today are doing something called tabletop exercises. Tabletop exercises are those exercises that allow for short, medium, and long-range planning, mostly on the financial side. In the age of coronavirus, we have had to do more short-term, medium, and long-term planning that looks very different than the higher education landscape than ever before. I'm Karen Weaver, and I'm glad to have you join the podcast today. This podcast will look at those tabletop exercises from the view of the Chief Financial Officer. Susan Wheeler Johnson is the President and CEO of the National Association of College and University Business Officers, known as NACUBO, and she will provide you an overview of the financial challenges that Chief Financial Officers are facing today. She's been at the head of NACUBO since August of 2018, and prior to that, she was at the Association of Governing Boards of Universities and Colleges, known as AGB, for 12 years as its Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. She was responsible for the day-to-day operations of the organization and strategic planning. She's an excellent person for us to think about some of the challenges that universities are undergoing right now, and in fact, whether they can open up in the fall either as a residential institution or as a fully online institution or some combination of the above. The harder question to answer in this discussion is what happens to athletics? And I'm of the opinion that nothing can be decided about athletics until universities decide how they're going to proceed with their traditional campus environments. So here is a good conversation to start thinking about the the ideas that university chief financial officers, presidents, and boards of trustees need to think about in this age of coronavirus. So good morning, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Today, I'm joined by Susan Johnston, who is the executive director of the National Association of College Business Officers and College and University Business Officers in Washington, D.C., also affectionately known as NACUBO. Um, I've asked Susan to join us today to talk about some of the areas around finance and risk management that colleges and universities are thinking about in this age of coronavirus. So, Susan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that Nakubo is affectionately known. (laughs) Yes, in in certain circles, absolutely it is. so your website, and I encourage folks who, who want to learn more about the organization to spend some time on the website because it's really a rich resource for the kinds of work that business officers do. And I want to start with your, your relatively new report on endowments. And you talked about averages, uh, trends, now, and now that the stock market is completely out of whack, what suggestions you or your business officers are providing to their presidents about how to manage through all of this? Well, um, it is a crazy time, uh, and that's an understatement. The market is uh, up and down with radical swings. Um, the report that we issued just recently about the endowment study for the previous fiscal year actually was um, a relief for many people because we finally, in our 10-year reporting, got past the Great Recession. So those who were looking for 10-year returns were relieved to see that that year was taken off. But we now are facing another 10 or more years with whatever this market has done for the endowment. 
you know, I think that one of the questions that people have is what's going to happen to distributions uh, with endowment uh, these days? Um, we know from our work with TIAA, our study that we do on endowments every year, we know that currently institutions uh, when are, are uh, on average, the distribution is 4.5%. And in a normal year, that's a pretty good distribution to have. We do not expect to see that markedly different uh, for the coming year. And the reason for that is that most institutions have a spending policy that looks um, out uh, or back, actually, uh, a number of years, could be three to five years, and that allows some smoothing of the volatility in the market. So looking back this year, we will not see uh, much change on that distribution with one possible exception, and that is institutions that for reasons of uh, greater support for students, emergency support for students, or emergency needs that they have, there may be higher withdrawals. Um, that's uh, not a great practice to get into, but in a time of great disruption, some, sometimes people do turn to their endowment, if it's possible, for a larger uh, distribution. We don't expect to see too much of that, though. Uh, the one thing that I would say is that um, about 50% of the endowment draw every year institutions use that money for student financial aid. And one of the questions that we're going to have as a, a, all colleges and universities is what's going to happen to student need for financial aid. They've lost uh, maybe their summer jobs, they've lost their part-time jobs, they've lost their full-time jobs, maybe their families have uh, suffered job losses, and certainly uh, parents' uh, investments have suffered the same way that institutions have. So student need is very likely to go up, and I think the struggle is going to be how to use endowment dollars best uh, in that situation. Such a good point about student financial aid because uh, so many schools, particularly uh, small to medium-sized privates, depend on that discount rate to be able to attract students and retain them over a course of their their academic careers. And if the endowment's shrinking, can they continue to award and financial aid at the rates they've been awarding it at? Yeah, that's the that's the real question. Uh, you you mentioned the tuition discounting, which has grown over the last decade and is now at about, I think, a little over 50%. And uh, is that a, a trend that can be continued? And uh, if so, at what extent to the institution? I think if we look back, you know, the, the we look back to the Great Recession and what institutions did then, I think there were a lot of one-time activities that institutions engaged in to try to right the ship. I think the question for us in this pandemic is whether there is one time. Uh, for instance, are we talking about um, riding the ship right now as institutions are um, repaying students for their um, payments on, uh, on 
uh, food, food board, uh, sorry, that's not right, uh, uh, lodging and food, uh, those repayments uh, have to be made and uh, that affects the liquidity. So are there some one-time strategies for that, but then you look just as far as summer enrollment or summer camps that a lot of schools have, what's going to happen there? So it may not be that um, that we're, we will see one-time adjustments, and that's why paying attention to the endowment, I think, is particularly important. One-time draw on that might be a, a way to get through a particularly challenging period, but more than that puts the endowment at risk. It's exactly like your own portfolio in some ways. If you take money out when the market is still dropping or hasn't had a chance to rebound yet, you're you're locking in all those losses. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Uh, so um, there's a lot of um, scenario planning that's being done right now at colleges so that um, boards of trustees, presidents, CFOs all know you know, here are some things that might happen, and here's what we do if they did happen, and here are the financial consequences. And then they can get down to the, so what do we do about it? Right. That's individual to each campus, correct? Absolutely individual for each campus. Some some campuses are, uh, have have done a good job in securing rainy day funds, Uh, even though there's been some complaint about that. Some campuses are invested, you know, everybody's investment strategies differ. And so everybody's affected differently uh, by the downturn in the, in the market. So shift a little bit. Business officers are often the chief risk manager uh, or the chief risk management officer on campus. In this age of coronavirus, which is a massive risk to the institution, what are your members paying attention to? And is there anything specific to athletics? Well, um, you know, I, I think there are a number of things. And it may be that uh, right now uh, it's hard to lift your head above the questions about liquidity, uh, you know, just how are we managing right now. But there are uh, other risks, certainly, for institutions and uh, chief, chief business officers and risk officers to be paying attention to. In addition to cash flow, liquidity, we do have the question of health. Uh, even though students have been largely sent home, uh, there are still some on campus. Uh, often it's international students or students who can't find a way to get home. Uh, so the health and safety of those students continues to be a concern, particularly in a time of the coronavirus. The health and safety of staff who might still have to be on campus to make sure that things are uh, managed in the physical plant, you need to be concerned about them. Uh, another issue that's coming at us is enrollment and questions about what the fall will be like. I've already mentioned the summer, and I think people are looking at that and maybe scratching their heads a little bit about will we be able to have our summer, usual summer array of activities, whether those are classes for uh, full-time students who want extra credit in the summer or whether they're the traditional camps that we often see uh, located on campuses. But 
But longer term, and not too long, is the fall. And questions about how enrollment is going right now are paramount because that is how we're looking at any kind of financial recovery from the current um, uh, crisis that we're all looking at. Some institutions are wondering if they will be able to have face-to-face classes in the fall. Some are wondering if students will actually return, so what happens to retention rates. There's a whole bundle of risks in the enrollment uh, area. Um, I think we need to be paying particular attention to data security. Uh, When everyone is working online and remotely, um, we need to be particularly vigilant about data security. Um, I think that uh, we also want to pay attention to educational quality. Faculty have, by and large, made a tremendous and quick uh, switch over from face-to-face to online teaching. It's not everybody's strength, and not everybody has been deeply trained in that. So what's happening to educational quality in this really important uh, shift and uh, an appropriate shift that institutions have made to online instruction? But um, people have to gain experience with that to make sure that their pedagogy is suitable. I think that there are also... Just a, just a couple more that are on my list, and I do have something here for for uh, for athletics. Uh, we need to be paying attention to equity. Can students who don't have easy access to technology and to the internet continue? And often these are students who come to us with the greatest need. And finally, the continuing sentencing uh, of uh, parents and others who engaged in the varsity blues scandal. I think that goes on. It, it's not getting the coverage it was getting, but just recently people are uh, getting sentenced for that, and it continues to be a problem for uh, higher education and athletics. Yeah, absolutely. So a long, a long list. Yeah, no, it's a good list. It's a good list. A couple things came to my mind while you were <clears throat> going through that list. One is this issue of summer sports camps that – um, campuses have traditionally run for high school um, uh, students and younger, p- primarily as a way to introduce those students to the campus, but also as a way to for assistant coaches and staff to make money uh, to supplement their salaries, which may not be all that high. So that loss of income could be a substantial uh, part for people personally, as well as the loss of the exposure opportunity to those uh, uh, prospective students that are coming to campus. You're absolutely right. I think a lot of um, a lot of areas of institutions are going to be affected by the loss of some of the auxiliary enterprises. Yeah. Um, you know, everything from the summer camps to concerts and plays and uh, other things that campuses do to do, as you say, <clears throat> introduce people to the campus and the institution but also provide uh, extra revenue or income. Yeah. And, and the other thing you mentioned, which I, I don't think can be stressed enough, is this business of securing personal data and what's appropriate to share in what form and what venue. I know my institution, Drexel, has made a real effort to let folks know about what's permissible uh, student data to be shared and what's not permissible. 
And, and I think all employees being trained on, on the appropriateness of those boundaries is a really important thing. It could manage a risk for the institution if they do that well. Absolutely, that's right. And you see some uh, shifting of standards. This isn't within higher ed necessarily, but the HIPAA requirements are shifting a little bit as doctors are doing more consulting with patients online. And it may well be that as we uh, have, you know, shifting all of our instruction online, that we have to pay attention uh, even more to uh, data security and making sure that individuals' privacy is protected. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of work uh, or leadership strategies can business officers use to keep their president, their board, and other members of the senior leadership apprised of all these significant risks? You know, it's a, I think it's a difficult time uh, to be a chief business officer. I hear that from the Nakubo numbers. Uh, there's an awful lot of detailed work that's being done right now. I mentioned the scenario planning and the financial applications. But we can't overlook the need for business officers to be big picture thinkers. They have to be strategic partners. Uh, so we expect them, I expect them, by the way, I am a board member of a couple of different institutions, and I do expect to hear from the chief business officer not just what's happening now, but looking farther down the road, uh, even, uh, even one to two years out, the situation's fluid, but I want to know what they're looking at, what they're preparing for. They also need to be data translators, even in good times. I think that um, uh, chief business officers have to be able to translate financial data into language that ordinary folks are going to understand, whether they're talking to faculty members, to athletes, to um, staff, to board members, even to the public at large, uh, make sure that the data is explained in a way that will make sense and can be acted upon. Certainly using uh, graphics can be very helpful with that. I think they also have to be really good communicators. They have to understand the different needs of different audiences. Um, and they have to be, uh, for better or for worse, everybody now has to be good at change management. And I think that the chief business officer, if he or she can be seen as an expert in change management, strategic thinking, uh, good use of data and communication, that those are the good leadership strategies that are going to help keep everybody uh, informed and moving collectively in the right direction. I think that's really, really good advice for all senior leaders at this point. And, and also the idea that, that somehow we're going to figure this out and, and staying, you know, cautiously optimistic, I would think would benefit them as well. Yes, I think so. And I, and I also think that we shouldn't forget to advocate for our institutions and for higher education. We entered this period of the coronavirus with a lot of people wondering about the value of higher education. And I think business officers, along with presidents, board members, and other institutional leaders have to see themselves as advocates. And 
Um, frankly, I'm finding that pretty easy to do these days as I see institutions um, joining in the effort to produce masks to shift uh, stockpiles of gloves and masks that they might have on campus to hospitals, to maybe using their residence halls as a place to uh, uh, shelter homeless people or people who need um, uh, overflow from hospitals. There are all kinds of ways that higher education is contributing to the current crisis. And if we want to be advocates uh, for our institutions and for the industry as a whole, that's a good place to start. But we're going to need higher education after this crisis. And it has to be kept strong and viable so that our research can continue, the the development of uh, new leaders can continue. So it's critical that uh, the chief business officers work together with other leaders to make sure that our institutions stay strong for the future. That's really good advice. Um, You know, the, the Economic Stimulus Act that just came out of the federal government didn't really give higher ed as much as they would have preferred in terms of um, general dollars. They gave a lot of dollars that were very specific to Pell Grant-focused institutions. How will Nakubo fit into advocating for more in the potential next round of economic stimulus? Well, you know, from what I'm reading, I just, I hope there's another round, but I've been reading the back and forth between the House and the White House, and, uh, you know, will there be a fourth stimulus act? I I don't know. Uh, It seems to be, what I'm reading about, it seems to be focused more on the, you know, kind of Obama-era shovel-ready projects. But um, if there is an opportunity for a fourth, for the the discussion of 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 a next stimulus, um, the Cuba will definitely be in it. I'll tell you right now the thing that is most important. You know, we requested $50 billion, 5 $50 billion, and got $14 billion uh, allocated to, to higher education. The problem that we have right now is it's not being released. And the, um, uh, the needs of our campuses are current. They're now and they're urgent. So we're working uh, with other associations to press the Department of Education to release those funds as soon as possible because cash flow is an issue. Uh, We are also working with other uh, uh, associations on um, all kinds of uh, letters to to not just the not just the cash, but some of the uh, embedded uh, uh, regulations that need to be uh, that need support and attention. For instance, fundraising needs to continue. Uh, Americans are are generous donors, even in times of crisis, uh, times of financial crisis. Americans are very generous donors. But the um, most recent uh, tax act uh, from a a year or so ago made uh, giving less uh, uh, well-supported because it took away the tax uh, support for uh, philanthropy. So we're trying to push for uh, greater flexibility in the tax area 
to ensure that people who can give will give because they'll realize the tax advantage to that. Yeah. Uh, just to encourage uh, charitable giving, I think is important for this. For this, and also making sure that uh, things like uh, the GI Bill benefits that are available to veterans um, are available if education has moved online, and that has been a problem for a while. And we continue to work on that. So, not everything is uh, that will be helpful to institutions and to students is directly in stimulus dollars that come to campus, although those are very important. But there are other ways of funding getting to our institutions, and the CUBO is paying attention to that. Yeah. Uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and certainly, uh, again, it helps to kind of finalize our discussion here a little bit. But we know the colleges are running on thin margins already, and we know now that this this uh, instability in in our in our deliverable methods is also creating additional stresses in technology, in terms of students staying enrolled because of the things you mentioned about uh, internet accessibility. What other strategies could Nakubo offer that would suggest colleges to keep their bottom line as healthy as possible? Well, um, it, this has been something that we've been talking with institutions about um, for quite some time. It, you know, this isn't news that we have uh, some parts of our industry, if I can call it that, that are weak. Um, they've uh, maybe they're smaller institutions. They have smaller endowments, they have smaller enrollments, and um, they have been very innovative in creating uh, new programs or new offerings that are appealing to uh, larger markets. Uh, that innovation really needs to continue. Um, in a time like this, cost cutting is always the first thing that people turn to. And uh, for many institutions, cost cutting uh, goes on on a regular basis, and for some, uh, that has been a way of life, I think, for, for some time. Cost-cutting is a, is a short-term approach to a problem, but it should not be seen as a, as a long-term approach because you start cutting into quality uh, pretty quickly if you do that. One of the things that we do encourage people to do is to take a deep dive into how their money is really being spent. Uh, not in the large kind of gross lines that show up in, in uh, budget summaries, but to look down at operating margins within schools and departments, uh, trying to match demands with what's being offered, uh, looking at administrative inefficiencies, for instance, looking at the cost of completion for students, the cost of uh, the uh, um, credit hour production, um, those are some of the things that institutions, if they don't know it now, need to know it because that's how you can start to drive the financial, uh, the finances of the institution more effectively. So a deep dive into how institution dollars are really being spent and figure out where there are ways to redirect dollars or where cuts will um, can be made but still support the basic enterprise. I think it's very important to look into these low-cost, no-cost loans that are being made available. 
Um, there's a good deal of confusion about that right now. And I will say that the Kubo is offering to its members free webinars every Friday to uh, help uh, explain what's on offer, how to access it, uh, and give suggestions. And a couple of other things to look at are partnerships with other institutions, particularly on back office matters where you know it's not a brand. Uh, everybody's got to buy uh, supplies. Everybody's got to pay for certain functions. Is there a way to uh, encourage uh, quick partnerships that might help reduce uh, recurring expenses? So those are just a few things. Uh, but I acknowledge that some of the institutions face some serious challenges uh, and they have made cuts already that leave them in a position where there are very few cuts that they can make at this point. Right, right. <clears throat> really, really tough situation, but you've given us some really interesting ideas to think about how to navigate this crisis and also help shine a light on the important role that uh, college and university business officers are playing. I uh, really appreciate that. Susan Johnston, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And I wish you and your family to stay as safe as possible during all this as well. Thank you, Karen. And the same to you. Appreciate it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another week of thinking about college athletics from the 30,000-foot perspective. In case this is the first time you are joining us, the podcast drops every Thursday morning. You can listen to previous guests and topics on eight different podcasting platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. Each week, I will strive to give you a deeper understanding of the complexities of higher education and intercollegiate athletics in the 21st century. Please also join me on Forbes.com for additional content and extended analysis. Have a great week.